Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. I want to talk this morning about building your life on a firm foundation. And if you'll notice this morning, uh, the three songs that we sang, every one of them had something about firm foundation in it. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about what it means to build your life on a firm foundation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you right now, right from the offset, that you are the firm foundation on which we build. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you'll speak to our hearts. Uh, during these unsettling times, we need to be building on a firm foundation. So Lord, I just pray that you'll speak to our hearts, Lord God, and encourage us in the word today. And let us be ready receivers of your word, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Hold your Bibles high up in the sky and say, This is my Bible, the living and powerful, proven word of God, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, God's holy word on which I stand. And having done all, I'm going to stand on the word of God. Whatever the word of God says I am, whatever the word of God says I have, Whatever the Word of God says I can do, say with me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. You may be seated. And you sound like a bunch of believers. I love that. Uh, there's a set of notes he received this morning that look just like this. You can get those online as well. In case we missed you, just lift your hand long enough to receive a set of notes. All right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, building on a firm foundation is absolutely essential. And if you don't believe it, I'll prove it to you with one picture. And here's the picture, all right? This is a picture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And if you don't think building on a firm foundation is important, just take a look at the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It was built, they started building that back in about 1173. And by the time they got to the third floor, uh, five years later, they had found that the ground was sinking underneath it and was starting to tilt already by the third floor. I don't know why they didn't just start over. They kept on building for 199 years until it was open, and it must have been just off by, who knows, one degree maybe by then. But then through the years, it got to be three degrees off. And the reason why this happened is because they built on soft soil, and the, the, the shifting soil... Um, destabilize the foundation so that it's leaning right to this day if you go there in fact several of you here in this room have been to the leaning tower Pisa. i think we saw it one of the years that we came back from the holy land we, we stopped by there but here's the big idea if you're building your life on a firm foundation you're not going to be shaken and you're not going to be moved but you're if you're building your foundation of life on you know soft soil or sinking sand you're going to fall for sure and that's why we need to talk today just about making sure that we've built our life on a firm foundation everyone say it with me this morning firm foundation so i want to just give you when i was writing this message i just sat down and just thought i'm just i'm thinking about the you know the foundations that are essential in our life I'm going to give you just five this morning, all right? So the first one is the foremost one, all right, is the foundation of Jesus. Say it with me this morning, Jesus. In the New Testament, Jesus is called a cornerstone. And he's used uh, the cornerstone, that means that he's described, it describes his exalted position. When you think about a cornerstone, 
I think about being in two places, either a cornerstone at the top of an arch or a cornerstone down at the foundation of a building, but either place, he's in in an exalted position. Jesus is my cornerstone. Say it with me this morning, Jesus is my cornerstone. In other words, if you're going to say, I'm going to be building on a firm foundation, what is the foundation that you're building on? That foundation has to be Jesus. And I know that you believe me. Now, well, we're building, in building, a cornerstone is the foundation on which something is constructed or developed. It's the starting point. So you'll see a lot of buildings that they'll have a picture of the cornerstone, and sometimes they, it's a memorial kind of a stone. So this church that was built, uh, it says Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, right down at the base of the foundation. And so they're saying, we're going to be building on Jesus Christ the firm foundation. Now, here's what I want you to see in the cornerstone once, once again. A cornerstone is the first foundation stone that you set. If the, if the, if the, uh, if the uh, cornerstone or that uh, foundation stone is true, if it's plumb, then the rest of the building is going to be true and it's going to be plumb. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's going to be in line. But if you get it wrong from the start, everything else is going to be crooked going up. So, the, the cornerstone is the starting point. Say it with me this morning, the starting point. So the question becomes, who or what is your cornerstone, your foundation, your starting point? In other words, where are you starting? Where is the foundation? And is the foundation going to be laid level? Is it going to be true? Is it going to be plumb? Because if you get that right, so many other things are going to go right in your life. But if you get that wrong, so many other things are going to go wrong in your life. Years ago, when I was a child, and that was years ago, <laughs> oh, brother, don't get me started. <laughs> anyway, growing older is not for wimps, I just want to tell you that. But I was a child one time, and I remember it just like yesterday. But years ago, when I was a child, I was about eight years old, and I determined that Jesus was going to be the cornerstone of my life, my foundation. I was eight years old. Then I had another encounter with Christ when I was about 14 years old, and I just kind of reset that stone, and I said, nope, I'm standing on the firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see about the cornerstone, or otherwise known as a keystone. Let me just bring up an illustration right here. When you're building a, a, a building, uh, or making, constructing a, a building, you'll have a cornerstone, you also can have a called a keystone. Keystone can also be called a cornerstone, so I don't want to confuse it this morning. Uh, but here's what you do. You'll either have a cornerstone at the foundation of the building or a keystone at the arch of an entrance. They're both the same thing. But here's what I want you to, to see this morning. Everything rests on the cornerstone and everything is held together by that cornerstone or the keystone. So the cornerstone, everything rests on it and everything is held together by the keystone, you might call it, at the top. It's held together. What I'm trying to say is you pull out the keystone, everything falls down. If you pull out the foundation stone, the cornerstone, everything crumbles. And so it is with us. Everything must rest on Christ, and everything is held together by Christ. Are you following me right now? So everything rests, in other words, 
Christ is the cornerstone on which our lives rest, and he's also that keystone that holds everything together in our lives, and if you pull that out, everything crumbles in your lives. That's why the Bible talks about Jesus as being the stone that the builders rejected. They said, you know what, we've got all of these other stones, but we're not going to go to Christ. So if you, if you push against that stone or you reject that stone, like a lot of the scribes and Pharisees did, a lot of the Jewish people did, they pulled, they, you know, Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. He was the stone that the builders rejected. I'm telling you what, what they did and they didn't know it, they rejected the cornerstone. So the minute you push against that cornerstone, it says it's going to fall on you and you're going to be crushed by it. It says this in the Bible. And if you pull that away, everything's going to fall. So everything rests on Christ and everything is held together by Christ, the cornerstone. Hallelujah. And those who reject the stone will be crushed along with all of their hopes. I just want to say that everything in our life is held together by those two stones. Can I get a witness here this morning? Amen? Amen. Now, without a cornerstone or keystone in our lives, things fall apart. That's why we sing the song, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Hallelujah. Say it with me this morning. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Somebody should write a song, don't you think? Amen. Jesus is the one that holds everything together in our lives. Now, I want to develop this with Scripture for a second, all right? Isaiah, remember Isaiah? Isaiah prophesied about Christ becoming the Savior 700 years before it actually happened. I'm always amazed when we look at Isaiah's prophecies because his prophecies were written down 700 years before they came to pass. But here's what Isaiah said about Jesus. He said this, This is what the sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, and a stone, by the way, it'll come up on the screen in just a second here, Isaiah 20, 28, verse 16. This is what the sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, and a stone is a synonym, uh, pardon me, Zion is a synonym for Jerusalem or Israel. So when you say, you know, we're marching to Zion, Beautiful, beautiful Zion. It's talking about Jerusalem or it's talking about the things in Israel. And he says, I'm setting a stone. I lay a stone in Zion. And then he says, it's a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. So I want you to say it with me this morning. It's a tested stone. It's a precious cornerstone. How many believe that Jesus is precious? Amen. And then it's a sure foundation. Say it with me this morning. A sure foundation. And the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. It'll be never, in other versions say, you'll never be moved, you'll never be shaken. And the the NIV says it this way, New International Version says this, whoever relies on that stone will never be stricken with panic or shaken. Now listen, everyone. We live in a world right now that is stricken with panic and is being shaken. And I'll tell you what, even in our lives, so many of the days we get up is like, what is going on in our world today in a modern society? With Ukraine at war right now, with, the, with Russia, or Russia at war with Ukraine, and we know that there's the you know, possibility of a madman going nuclear on us. And you go like, that's kind of a shaken kind of a thing, right? But it says this, if you stay on the firm foundation that is Jesus, you're not going to be shaken. You're not going to be filled or stricken with panic because Jesus is with us and he's our rock in the midst of this storm. Can I get a witness here this morning? Amen? 
so that was Isaiah the prophet. Now, the psalmist also wrote about the Christ becoming our cornerstone, and he said this, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We talked about that. The builders rejected the stone, but that became the cornerstone. Everything rests on that cornerstone, and everything is held together by that cornerstone, and that cornerstone is Jesus. Now, here's what I love. I mean, you'll see a reverberation of what Isaiah said all through Scripture. You'll see a reverberation of this thought. So, first Peter, uh, I love what Peter writes about us uh, and Christ. Christ is the living stone. Say it with me this morning, the living stone. And you could have really put in parentheses there the cornerstone because so many of the other gospel writers use the word cornerstone. But living stone with capital L and capital S, he's the living stone. So how many of you would agree that Christ is the living stone, right? He's the living stone. But then he says, you also are living stones. You also, so it says, watch this. As you come to him... This is 1 Peter 2.4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. So he was rejected by the humans. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. He was rejected, but chosen by God. Let me tell you what, everyone. You might be rejected by man, but if you are chosen by God, you're going to be okay. Can I get a witness? Amen. And precious to him. And it says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. All right, everyone understand this. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're built, being built into, the, into a holy house by God. Hallelujah. So, uh, Jesus is the living stone, with capital letters, but we are also living stones in the house of God. So I like to put it this way just to kind of really differentiate. Jesus is the cornerstone, but we are living stones, all right? Now, I read this in the King James Version when I was doing my study and writing. Um, and the King James puts it this way, we are lively stones. So by that word lively, and you can put it back up on the screen, the living stone, in the King James it says lively stones. Everyone say it with me this morning, lively stones. It makes a case that we ought to be energetic, we ought to be spirited, we ought to be passionate, invigorated by our faith. Amen? We shouldn't be coming to church look like we've been baptized in pickle juice. Can I get a witness? Amen? It's like, honestly, I don't want to go to a church that's dead. I want to go to a church that's lively. I don't want to go to a church where I've got to constantly just pick it up and pep it up. I want to go to a place where maybe I've got to slow it down a little bit. So we are, he's the living stone, and we are living stones as well, which kind of makes me go like this, you know, that we're building blocks that are alive in, in Christ. Hallelujah. We're lively stones. Say it with me this morning, lively stones. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, look lively. I think they'd say that maybe in England. I have days, and this is a little bit one of them today because there's 52 Sundays in a year, but then where you feel a little bit sluggish on the inside. And, and so usually when we feel sluggish on the inside, we go to Starbucks and we get a cappuccino or we get some caffeine in us. Uh, I don't drink coffee on Sunday morning at all, and I'm a, I love coffee. I don't. I've just got enough nervous energy, and I've got enough just to keep me going just by doing it, but I feel a little bit sluggish in the head. But Barb always has 
you know, her cappuccino ready to go every Sunday morning. It's like religion, you know what I'm saying? The Starbucks religion. Anyway, but what I'm trying to say is when you're a little bit sluggish, realize God has called us to be lively stones. So turn to your neighbor and say, look lively, come on. I know you don't mean it, but it'll get you there. You've got to say it before you're going to get there. Amen. Look lively. All right. For the scripture says this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, Jerusalem or Israel. Remember, I lay a stone in Zion. It'll come up. A chosen and precious stone. Now, this is not Isaiah writing again. This is Peter writing, but he's quoting Isaiah. A chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So what Isaiah wrote 700 years earlier reverberated to the New Testament church. And they said, keep on standing on that solid rock, which is Christ Jesus. And you're, you're gonna, he says, you'll never be shaken. Praise God. So Jesus is our cornerstone. I didn't say that he's our rolling stone. I said he's our cornerstone. Amen. First and foremost... Jesus is our foundation. Our foundation is Jesus. Are we there this morning, amen? That's the, that's the most important thing I have to say this morning, that Jesus is the rock, you know? Reminds me of that song by Larry Norman. I wish I could remember the words, you know. He's the rock that doesn't roll. He's the rock that doesn't roll. Well, he's good for the body and good for the soul. He's the rock that never rolls, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, but check it out. Way back in the Jesus music thing, you know? And if I had music to go with it, you'd like it even better. Amen. Okay, secondly, second foundation here this morning is the foundation of the Word. How many are glad for the foundation of the Word of God in our lives? Amen. Now, years ago, there was a hymn writer back in 1787. They don't know the name of the guy. They published his work, but they're not quite sure who wrote it, but he wrote a great hymn. It was called, How Firm a Foundation, Ye Saints of the Lord, is Laid for Your Faith in His Excellent Word. And it went something like this. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Something like that, all right? So, and there's a lot of radio programs that would open up with that, talking about how firm a foundation we have. What are we talking about this morning? We're talking about, you know, building your life on a firm foundation. But he said, how firm a foundation is laid for your soul in his excellent word. How many know this is an excellent word that gives you a firm foundation? So here's what Jesus said. Now we're talking about the word. Here's what Jesus said about his words. And by the way, what I'm going to share with you right now is out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. The very first sermon that I ever preached in my life was out of this text right here. The very first time I was in Iowa and a pastor let me preach at his church on a Sunday night. And um, man, did he take a risk, but at least I had a good text. And it says, Jesus was speaking this, and this was in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. So everyone who takes my what? My words, and we're talking about the word of God. He says, if you put them into practice, he's like a man that built his house on a what? On a rock. Say with me, on a rock. So uh, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, how many, have you ever been to New York City? Has anybody been to New York City? Wave at me if you've been to New York City. I love New York City, one of my play, favorite places to go. If you go to New York City, especially into Central Park, 
you'll see uh, stone structures, and they look just like this. You'll see granite almost everywhere coming above the ground and underneath the ground, but the city is basically built on rock. It's built on granite. Everywhere you go, there's beautiful bedrock and different kinds of granite, and, and it just makes a, just an incredible foundation for all of those skyscrapers that are built over there. So New York is built on a foundation of granite. There's bedrock everywhere, but here's what I want you to see this morning. Putting Jesus' words into practice is like building your life on a rock, on bedrock. Can I get a witness? So Jesus said, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, it's like you're building on a rock. Then what happens next? And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Remember how we used to say, read this when we were kids in, in Sunday school, some of you? And he says, so the, it, the house didn't fall in the midst of the storm because it was built on a rock. How many of you here in California, we see this almost every few years, when there's a landslide, you'll see houses sliding with the land, Right? Southern California. That's why we don't live there. Because <laughs> we live here. Even though the weather is better a little bit, this one step better down in Southern California, we, live, we don't live there for two reasons. Number one, the house slides down the hill. And secondly, the houses are too expensive to rebuild. <laughs> you know, you got to, you know. What you're living in right now today, your 1,800 square foot house that you live in today costs $2 million in Los Angeles. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are rich. <laughs> we're going to McDonald's right after service, I'm telling you. And we're going to supersize it today. <laughs> I'm talking about, it's because uh, it's not built on the rock. When the rains come, it wasn't built on the rock, so it slides down the hill. But... Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So you can either build on the rock or you can build on the sand. This is Jesus speaking. You got two choices, two ways to go. But the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and the crash of it was a great crash because it was built, what, on the sand. So we have two ways to go in our lives when we're building our lives on a firm foundation. Build on the rock and not the sand. If you're building on the rock, your house is going to stand. But if you build on the sand, your house is going to collapse. So keep on building on the rock. Hallelujah. And all of God's people said amen. Now, the third thing here this morning, the third foundation I want to draw out to this morning is this, is the foundation of sound doctrine. Say with me this morning, sound doctrine. Now, in our Bible, in the Word of God, we have wonderful doctrine. We have sound doctrine found in the Word of God, but the problem is that so many people warp it and bend it. Have you noticed? And so, whoever the new kid in town is, preaching the word of God you go like man I've never heard that before that sounds really cool but sometimes it's a strange doctrine it's not a sound doctrine but it's a strange doctrine and just because somebody's on TV preaching doesn't make them a doctrinal expert everybody do you understand that sometimes you go like man that really sounds great but it doesn't quite sound like the word of God and they call it uh, you know extra scriptural revelation no 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 
We have a more sure word found in the Word of God than extra scriptural revelation. If you can't find it in the Word of God, even if it's way out there, don't hold on to that. That would be the bone that you spit out. In other words, eat the fish, but get rid of the bones kind of a deal. You need to rightly divide the Word of truth to be on a firm foundation. But we have all kinds of doctrine going out there right now that is not sound doctrine, it's unsound doctrine. And let me tell you what, you know the difference because you're a student of the Word of God. You've got your own Bible in your hand. You can rightly divide the Word of truth. And I'm glad for all of the preachers who unfold the Word and unpack the Word. And it would be called exegete the Word. In other words, we unpack it for you. We study. But while we're stuttering, you go, study, not stuttering, while we study, you at the same time unfold it in your own Bible and you say okay man that was really good this morning I want to see right where that is and then you know you're standing on sound doctrine can I get a witness amen that doesn't mean you're critical it just means that you're careful what I put into my body what I put in my spirit even though it sounds really good I want to find that chapter and verse and then you know I want to be careful with what I feed myself spiritually and let me tell you what you are smart let me just turn to your neighbor and say you are smart And the reason why I say this is because you are. I always tell my team, my staff, and I have for 20 years, never underestimate the people that you're preaching to every Sunday because they're smart. And so many of them are smarter than you, the guy standing in the pulpit. You do your work well, you plan your sermons well, you preach it as best you can, but you're speaking to people who are very intelligent. So God has given you the ability to rightly divide the word of truth. And you know the difference because you can feel it. It's called discernment. Hallelujah. So we're talking here about the foundation of Jesus, the foundation of the word of God. Now the foundation to the word of God stands right now. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. But I'll tell you what, God's word can certainly be warped and can be misinterpreted by all kinds of preachers and all kinds of people. So it says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, it's God-breathed. Say it with me this morning, God-breathed. The books that you buy in Kindle, man, you buy a lot of great books on Kindle, but none of them are God-breathed. This is God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. It is profitable. Say it with me, profitable. And by the word, in other words, when you read the word of God, it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, and doctrine just means teaching. Say it with me this morning, teaching. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All those things we get when we read the Word of God. I'm getting teaching right now. I'm getting doctrine. I'm getting reproof. Have you ever had the Word of God step on your feet? Have you ever had that happen before? Oh, my goodness. That's reproof. For correction, have you ever heard the Word of God correct you? And then it's for instruction in righteousness. How many know that God's Word will help you to live a right life? Instruction in right living. That's called righteousness. That the people of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, we study. Why? Why do we study? Because we want to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's sound doctrine. And then Paul writes this. So he wrote this that I just read to 2 Timothy. He's writing to Timothy. But then... He writes to the church at Ephesus, to Ephesians. He says, We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's a lot of words right there, but some guys can be up there conning you. 
for the sake of Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can be getting conned for the sake of Christ because they call it by the trickery of man, the cunning and craftiness, deceitful plotting, using the word of God as their basis. But he says this, don't be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Just because it's the new kid in town or the latest thing or the latest trend, still weigh it out on the plumb line of Scripture and the solid rock of sound doctrine. Man, I'm getting something out of that right now. And then he says this, but speaking the truth in love, you might grow up into all things who is the head, Christ. In other words, that's the, the bottom line of the sound, sound doctrine, that you will grow up into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you want to be more like Jesus Christ? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, sound doctrine will give you what I want to call structural integrity. Everyone say it with me this morning, structural integrity. And structural integrity is a... Uh, engineering term that has to do with the design of a product but it, you, 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 you design structural integrity into what you're developing so it'll carry its intended load without failing, fracturing or folding and so when you have the word of God inside of you everyone, God is saying this I want to give you the word of God so that you can carry your intended load without failing, fracturing or falling isn't that a good thing, amen in other words, when you got the word of God praise God, how are you getting through this crazy time how are you getting through this craziness in your life well let me just think about that for a second I've got Jesus, the solid rock, on my side. I've got the Word of God on my side. And I've got sound doctrine on that side, on my side. So I'm standing strong in the middle of all this craziness. And I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fold because I've got spiritual, structural integrity because of sound doctrine in the Word of God. In other words, the Word of God is already strong, but we find a way to warp it, or other people do, and when they warp it and we receive it, then we start living warped lives. But if you rightly divide the Word of truth, now you're going to be getting, I'm standing on the rock of the Word, I'm standing on the firm foundation of sound doctrine, and now I'm rightly dividing the Word of truth, praise God. Because of that, I'm not going to fail, I'm not going to fracture, I'm not going to fold in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. When a talk about structural integrity I was one year well years ago I used to travel everywhere and I was in Washington State and I went to the Boeing factory in, in Everett Washington I think it was in Everett Washington was it Eugene or Everett I think it's Everett Everett Washington and it's the largest building in the world it was at that time and I think it's close to the largest building in the world as far as square foot goes because they you know you're rolling through 747s 757, 767, 777s, 787s, 737s, all of those, whatever, you know, those aircrafts, those Boeing. And uh, if it's not Boeing, I'm not going, you know what I mean, that kind of a thing. <laughs> but now it's Airbus, and you got it, you know, the pilots, they all go back between, you know, Airbus and Boeing, and if you talk to a pilot, they, they trade barbs on each airplane, you know, they... They, they, call, they used to call Airbus Scarebus, but now they don't call them at all. Um, and then the Boeing pilots would have, but there's, it's kind of leveled the field right now. They're both excellent airplanes. But the point that I wanted to make was the first time I went on a tour of that factory, they would take you through how they build the planes and then how they test the wings for strength and for structural integrity. 
and they would take the wings of these planes and they'd put them in a jig and, and they're testing them now before they build them they test them and they pull those wings and the jig all night long and all day long goes like this with cables and it goes up and down like this with cables and it just goes for months at a time and then they will also super stress them like if you're in a bad turbulence to where the points where the tips of the wings actually bend and go straight up like this if you're thinking at night when that plane's going like this just let me tell you what you are okay when you look out the window and the planes are made to flex uh, and not just a break they're made to flex but they actually jig them and put them up with cables until they're standing almost straight up like this and then they get to the point in the new development of some planes to where the where the wing fails the test and it just goes pow, just blows into pieces and they go right back to the engineering boards and they redesign it again so that it can take the stress. And I want to just tell you this here this morning that the foundation of sound doctrine will help you to get through all of the turbulence of, 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 of lies and untruth out there and fly straight through the storm in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, still with me this morning? I got two more points here this morning, two more foundations. The fourth foundation is the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Say with me this morning, the apostles and the prophets. Okay, so the apostles and prophets. Now, now you know about the apostles and prophets, right? So the, uh, uh, we're part of the five-fold ministry. I'll just give you this real quick. There's a five-fold ministry in the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. All right? So the apostle is the one with the thumb, and he puts his thumb in the ground and he plants a church that's what an apostle does he's apostolic you know he's a, he's a planter then the uh, your first finger right here is the evangelist because he points his finger at you know, or is the prophet I should the apostle prophet is the prophet because the prophet says thus says the Lord get right with God so he points his finger at you uh, third finger when you're illustrating you gotta be careful with that one but <laughs> is, it's a <laughs> the apostle prophet Evangelist is the third finger because the evangelist, evangelism is central to all of the other ministries, all right? Then the ring finger is the, is the pastor because he's married to the church. So he's married to the church. You think of that as the ring finger because he's married to the church. Then the little finger, here's the pinky, it's called, uh, it's called the teacher because the teacher brings balance to the to church just like the, this finger brings balance to your hand. The little finger, uh, the, the, the teacher brings balance to the, to the ministries, ministries of the church. So the, you have the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Is that pretty cool right there? And so, but anyway... Uh, where am I at here? The foundation of the apostles and prophets. Here in the United States, we look back at our founding fathers as those who helped to write the Constitution of the United States of America uh, and all kinds of founding fathers along the way, but especially those who authored the United States Constitution, which is our foundation, the foundation of our democracy. Can you see where I'm going with this right now? But in the church, as Christians, I was talking as America, Americans, we look back to our founding fathers because they wrote the Constitution and we still abide by the Constitution today. But as Christians, we look back to the apostles and prophets who provided us with a foundation for our faith uh, through the words that they spoke and the lives that they led as being an example to us. So we look back to them, to the, to the apostles and prophets, as a firm foundation for our faith. And so here's what Paul said in Ephesians. He says this, Now you are no longer foreigners or strangers. You're no longer Gentiles. Hey, everybody, look at me right now. Most of you are, this morning are Gentiles. 
unless you're a Jew here this morning, and, you're, uh, and I welcome all of our Jewish, but right here, Jewish uh, 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 family that are here as well, and online, but as in most of you are Gentiles, and you are on the outside looking in, but because of Jesus Christ, God brought you on the inside. You know, you were, you, it was the gospel came to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Aren't you glad that you got grafted into that tree? Can I get a witness? Amen. Now there's... So now you are no longer foreigners or strangers, no longer Gentiles, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Hallelujah. Say with me this morning, I'm a member of the family of God. Years ago, and some of you remember this, it's no big deal, but they used to have jackets that said members only. It was a brand, I think, called members only. And, and, and you know, so you wore that and you felt kind of important. But the only thing is, here's what I'm saying is this. You are a member of the greatest family in the world, and that's the family of God. He says, you're not, you're fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, what? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Are you seeing that? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with what? Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. So we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets who wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus is our chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. The foundation, he holds everything together. Everything consists by him. And then it says this, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Everyone, you are the temple of the living God, and God wants you to be a holy temple built on a good foundation, a firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said amen. And then it says, too, in him, you too are built together to become a dwelling in which Christ lives by his spirit. Christ lives by his spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I'm thinking of this place. Sometimes we, get, we go, man, I just want to come to the house of God today to be in the presence of God. But here's what you need to realize is you are the house of God. You are the temple of God, and his spirit dwells within you. So in other words, we want to be a holy temple. When we're talking about a holy temple, God's saying, I want you to be a holy temple where my spirit can dwell in you. It's not that you just come into this building to get into the presence of God. You are the building, and God's presence wants to be in you. Can I get away and say, what do you do when you leave here? You go with God. God goes with you. He's in you. Can I get away and say, amen? You are being built together to become a dwelling in which Christ lives by, this, by his spirit. All right. So we have the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Here's the last foundation this morning, and then we head on out, is the foundation of fellowship. Say it with me this morning, fellowship. And um, so uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world is quickly becoming less spiritual and more secular. Have you noticed that? Less spiritual, more secular, with an absence. In other words, that word secular means an absence of God. Have you noticed that you're, you know, when you drove to church this morning, a lot of your neighborhood, the, the garages were still closed, everybody was still sleeping in, nobody heading out. If they're heading out to anywhere, they're heading out to the ballpark, but maybe not heading out to church. Or it's very quiet in your, your neighborhood this morning because a lot of people have left the things of God behind. So it, the, the, the world has become less spiritual and more secular. There's an absence of God, and, and it's more, becoming more and more ungodly. And so... 
Although, I want to just insert this, God has called us to be a friend of sinners, but we're not supposed to pick up on the sinner's way. We're not supposed to practice what the sinner practices. But we're supposed to be friends of sinners. How many of you would say you're a friend of a sinner? I hope that you are. You know, you're a friend of sinner. You've got sinners all over the place. Just walk down your block. You'll find all kinds of sinners. God wants you to be a friend of sinners, but he doesn't want you to pick up on the sinner's ways. So in other words, and I wrote this down in your notes, your aim is to influence the sinner without the sinner influencing you. So how does that happen? Well, that happens because of this. We need godly fellowship more today than we've ever needed before. And I call this the foundation of fellowship. Say with me this morning, the foundation of fellowship. Because as a, as a believer, here's what I want you to know, everybody. Look at me right now. You're not walking the broad road that leads to destruction. You're walking on a narrow way that goes through a narrow gate. And so the Bible even talks about this. You know, we're like outnumbered in this world right now. We're pilgrims and we're sojourners going through. We're not the majority. We're the minority right now. And that's why we need to encourage each other all the more, especially as you see the day of the Lord approaching, because we are following a narrow road and a narrow way that leads through a narrow gate where the rest of the world is on a broad road that leads to destruction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And is what I'm saying true, amen? So... Jesus even said this, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many go through there, but small is the gate, say with me, small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So here's what I want you to see this morning. Because we are on a narrow road and we're outnumbered by those who are on the broad road, we need to gather together regularly and encourage one another every single day. Praise God. In other words, we're in this together. Hallelujah. But we gather regularly and we encourage one another daily. In fact, the Bible says this in Hebrews, but encourage one another daily. Say it with me this morning. Encourage one another daily. Let me help you to run 100% on that right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, be encouraged today. Okay, I got, and then tell him I got my encouragement in today. I'm good because I just encouraged somebody today. All right? Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. In other words, if every day that ends in the letter Y, you're supposed to encourage somebody so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words, we live in a sinful world. God doesn't want us to be deceived or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And he says, let's encourage one another daily. You're going to make it. God is with you. And if God's with you, who can be against you? The greater one lives inside of me. Praise God. All these things that we do to encourage one another. And then it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. In other words, let's spur one another on. Let's egg one another on to love and good deeds. This all has to do with fellowship. And it says this, not giving up meeting together. Say it with me this morning, not giving up meeting together. And let me kind of translate that. Not giving up. The King James says this way, don't forsake getting together. And that word forsake means don't ditch it and don't desert it. So here's, I'm going to just translate this. Not giving up meeting together means don't forsake the church, don't ditch the church, don't desert the church as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another daily and all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Hallelujah. 
Jesus is coming back and we need to encourage one another to live righteous lives in this world. And that, I call that the firm foundation of fellowship. We need fellowship as a foundational thing in our lives. Hallelujah. You know, our life groups that we have uh, that are led by Pastor Ryan and Jennifer Miller, uh, they're one of many great ways to get together. And our life groups here have been a part of Harvest Church now ever since we've opened. But I just appreciate our life, uh, Jennifer and, and Ryan Miller, and all of their coaches and all of their leaders, all of our home group leaders, just for life groups. It's a great way to connect and to encourage one another. Yesterday, I met with one of our life groups at Elk Grove Park, and we had a picnic together. How many on board for that? Amen. Terry Suo's life group, or was it Lucius's life group? I don't know. It's Terry's. I think it's Terry Suo's life group. But anyway, had a great group of people there, had great food. I know that God and food go together. Can I get a witness? Amen. And we were out there at noon, and we had a great time together for just two hours, but we encouraged one another, had fellowship together, and so many of our other life groups doing the same thing. But this is a, a foundation, that foundation of fellowship. So... Build your life on a firm foundation. That's the bottom line. Say it with me this morning. I'm going to build my life on a firm foundation. And that foundation is, is now let me tell you, the foundation is it's the foundation of Jesus, is the foundation of the Word, it's the foundation of sound doctrine, it's the foundation of the apostles and prophets, it's the foundation of fellowship. And if you do stand on these foundations, I'll tell you what, you'll never be shaken. If you uh, receive the Word this morning, would you give the Lord a great hand clap of praise? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Music